Okay, not to hook it. Be perfectly lifted on that. Right. Okay. We've been uh, at this since 
Lindsay. Don't you think that Rhiannon is a beautiful name? Yes, Stevie, I do. I think Rhiannon is a beautiful name. Hey, you're listening to Day by Day, Fleetwood Mac, Day 10, about their 10th studio album, a self-titled album. And we've made it. This is what it has all been leading to, right? We've traced the trajectory that got us here. And in the end, when you look at it, the fact that Mick Fleetwood happened upon Lindsey Buckingham and then Lindsey Buckingham insisted on bringing Stevie Nicks along with him, was sheer luck. But it's also a result of how the record industry worked back then. It's amazing that Fleetwood Mac were allowed to keep making albums. Nine albums is what it took for them to get here, where they finally have a lineup that is going to create hit records. They had... A couple of hits early on with Peter Green. But there's really... Is there any relationship besides the rhythm section between the Peter Green version of Fleetwood Mac and this version? No, it's the same band name and the same rhythm section. Otherwise, obviously, this is a completely different entity. And how did it get here? Trial and lots of error. And then sheer luck. Random chance. Keith Olsen playing McFleetwood. This is the story, at least. Producer Keith Olsen playing McFleetwood, an example of his production or his engineering. And he ends up playing something from the Buckingham Knicks album. And McFleetwood, you know, is impressed by that guitar player. And, of course, as we know, Lindsey Buckingham is an absolute genius. But, you know, McFleetwood had no idea. When he invited Lindsay to join the band, he had no idea what he was going to get with Lindsay and Stevie. But like I said, it's interesting. We've seen what it took to get here, which was a lot of blues-inspired, and then we get jazzy stuff with Bob Welch. But does any of it suggest where this band is going to end up with Lindsay and Stevie? No. You hear Christine McVie developing her songwriting style. But even on the last album, Heroes Are Hard to Find, there's not a hint of what we're going to get 
with these next couple of albums. I don't think there's even a hint of it. Because once Lindsay and Stevie join, it's really a completely different thing, even though you do have Christine. But I think Lindsay's contributions to Christine's songs are also huge. You know, I spewed a lot of negativity about very basic standard blues structure that's just repetitive and generic. And I also complained a lot about Bob Welch's jazzy approach. And I just did not like what Bob Welch brought to the band. And if you compare the what Bob Welch brought to the band to what Lindsey Buckingham brings to the band, you know, it's night and day. You know, we've heard albums where when the guitar player is accenting the song, it's just little blues licks that, you know, you've heard a million times. When we get here and it's Lindsey Buckingham accenting the songs, it's something entirely different. And it's, it's Lindsey Buckingham's own style. And I love it. I love Lindsey Buckingham's guitar playing. And obviously, I love what he brought to the band. Lindsey Buckingham is one of my favorite artists of all time. But I think it's interesting. If you've listened every day, none of these albums have been very good, at least in my opinion. We've had good songs here and there, but none of these albums have been very good. And so, like I said, it's insane that Fleetwood Mac got to keep making albums in order to get to this point where finally they can sell copies of those albums. I suppose they were selling enough, barely, to keep it going. Nine albums, they got to put out five albums with Bob Welch. That's a lot. And that was after, you know, the last album we listened to before Bob Welch joined was that ridiculous Kiln House album where Jeremy Spencer <laughs> was just you know, writing these imitation tributes to the 50s. that So that album was ludicrous. Then they reinvent themselves with Bob Welch, but, you know, I did a lot of yelling about what Bob Welch brought to the band. And like I said, what Lindsey Buckingham brings to the band is so, so different from what Bob Welch brought to the band. But yeah, so this album comes out in 1975. As the story goes, Lindsey and Stevie joined... On New Year's Eve, December 31st, 1974. Another fascinating thing about this record is that this record hit number one on Billboard 58 weeks after entering the Billboard charts. So over a year after the album came out, it hit number one. That's also crazy to think about that a, a year old record was the number one record and it just built and built and they toured. And when they first started playing with Lindsay and the band, they were playing a lot of old material. So if you look at the set list of when Lindsay first joined the band, it really feels like this is just the new replacement guitar player. It doesn't feel like this is a brand new band, but very soon I think it's it's switched from another guitar player. Now we've got another guy, but it's the same band, to this is a new band. This is not the same band anymore. 
and obviously Stevie Nicks, her presence had a lot to do with that as well. So it was in 1974 that the whole band, they moved to California. So they had been located in England previously. They actually recorded Heroes Are Hard to Find in California. They did a short tour to support that album, but then Bob Welch left the band. And that was the Bob Welch lineup. The final lineup was the ninth Fleetwood Mac lineup in eight years. And now they need the 10th lineup. And they're looking for a new guitar player. And like I said, Mick Fleetwood is at Sound City. Keith Olsen is showing him the studio, wants to play him an example of something that he recorded there. So he plays him the song Frozen Love from the Buckingham Knicks album, which had come out in September of 1973 and was produced by Keith Olsen at Sound City. I met Keith Olsen and showed me the studio and by pure coincidence just said, play Buckingham Knicks, which was Stevie and Lindsay's uh, album that I couldn't have heard more than maybe 10, 15 minutes of it fl flicking through. He said, well, this is something I worked on in this studio. So we just played it just to demo the speakers, you know. And did you immediately take to it? Apparently so. <laughs> it, the, the adage is that I had to, that had to have happened because I spent a little while there inadvertently. Uh, I met Lindsay, said hello, and he said, oh, they're rehearsing next door. And Bob was still in the band. And, and I thought this is a cool place. And that was about it. Uh, Saw Stevie uh, through a thing and apparently waved to her. And, and she knew more about Fleetwood Mac. Uh, Lindsay knew a little bit and really liked uh, an album called Them Play On. But all the stuff prior to that, uh, he was, was not privy to. All the bluesy, extra focused blue, bluesy type albums and stuff, which meant nothing one way or the other. I found all that out later. So I left, and then Bob left at very short notice. I sort of knew he was miserable and had some private uh, matters to take care of. And, and in, in his world, he was making a run, which turned out well for him. I, I helped manage him for years. And he became Bob Welch, the solo artist, and had actually had a lot of success. But it was a shock when he left, because we just were about to go in the studio. So... Uh, the music that I heard had to have had a huge effect subliminally. To, it had to have, because when Bob dropped the, the bullet, the bomb, just like a channel came, came back, I said, what was that music in my head? What was that music I heard? And I remember uh, focusing on, as I would always, a guitar playing, which, by the way, Stevie's never forgiven me for. <laughs> for Lindsay, we, I would never have been in the band, but <clears throat> the, uh, which is sort of true at the beginning. And I phoned Keith uh, up at the studio, found him, and said, what was that music you were playing? And he's, he gave more detail. It was an album, and they're working on another album now, and I don't quite know how that's going to turn out. And I said... I have a feeling that the that the guitar player would would because Bob's left, 
would he would he want to join Fleetwood Mac? So in that 20 minutes, which says a mega, mega dose of, of kudos to the music that, that Lindsay and Stevie made, made that amount of, of an impression that when I drew down on it and remembered it in short fashion, really, it had that amount where I was, I was said, that guy, the guy I heard playing is the, is the deal. And that's what led to, to them uh, joining Fleetwood Mac. So, The Lindsay and Stevie songs on this record, most of them were written before they even joined Fleetwood Mac. So they come into the band, they have Rhiannon, they have Monday Morning, they have I'm So Afraid. The song Crystal is recycled from the Buckingham Knicks album and redone for the Fleetwood Mac album. So, you know, Buckingham Knicks was a separate entity and it's folded in to Fleetwood Mac. And you could almost call it a supergroup, even though Buckingham Knicks, you know, their their album had flopped. Fleetwood Mac were probably reasonably well known, but not a huge band. So the album comes out in July of 1975. Band goes out on tour. The album entered the Billboard charts at number 183. That was in August. And it didn't reach number one until September 1976. So enters the charts August 75, hits number one September of 76. Rhiannon wasn't released as a single until February of 76 and peaked at number 11 in June. So you get Rhiannon in February, peaks at 11 in June, album hits number one in September. The Christine song Say You Love Me came out as a single after Rhiannon and also hit number 11. So it was just this slow build. And they didn't have a didn't even have a top ten single on this record, crazily enough. As of twenty eighteen, the album was certified seven times platinum in the United States. So it was a big hit album, but a lot of those seven million, I'm guessing a pretty big chunk was probably sold after the next album. But yeah, this was a number one record and definitely set them up for what they were going to do next. And as we will find out tomorrow, they went into making the next album, the follow-up to this album, knowing that they could capitalize on the success of this album if they made the right album to follow it up. And oh boy, they did, as I'm sure everyone out there knows, and we will talk about that album tomorrow But today we're talking about the self-titled Fleetwood Mac album from 1975. The album opens with a song called Monday Morning, written by Lindsey Buckingham. My notes for this song, tremendous, amazing, country rock as a pop song. Lindsay brings such a vibrant talent and energy to the band and has a great voice. The song is infectious, crammed with hooks. Two minutes and 48 seconds, it's just a blast. And not like anything we've heard from Fleetwood Mac. And like I said, Lindsay had this song written before he joined the band. 
If there had been a second Buckingham Knicks album, this song would have been on that album. Instead, it ends up opening this Fleetwood Mac album, and right away, this is not this is not what we've heard previously from from Fleetwood Mac. This is a pop song, upbeat, hooky, irresistible, great song from Lindsey Buckingham. Monday morning. Second song on the album by Christine McVie called Warm Ways. Somehow this song was chosen as the first single in the UK, which is completely insane. Having this be the second song on the album is completely insane. It makes no sense. It's a very cheesy song with a soft rock vibe. Four minutes long. I cannot say that I like it very much. I suppose it's pleasant enough doesn't turn me off the way a Bob Welch jazz-influenced song would have turned me off, but this is definitely a skip. And, you know, the sequencing here is a me- is confusing. I definitely disagree with the sequencing and putting this as the second song, but at the same time, as I was talking about with the last song, the last song's very different from Fleetwood Mac. This song is more in line with what Fleetwood Mac fans, people who were fans of the band before Lindsay and Stevie joined, this song would be more in line with what they were expecting, so that might have been the thought process. We've hit them with something they would not have been expecting, something very different, uh, a new style and direction for the band. Let's, you know, at least have the second song be something more along the lines of what our original fans, our fans that are coming into this from the previous couple of albums, what they might have been expecting. So that would make sense, but I don't like this song very much. Alright, the third song on the album is a song called Blue Letter, and this was written by Michael and Richard Curtis, and they would actually release this song the next year, 76, on their own album as the Curtis Brothers. So I'm not entirely sure how this song ends up on this record, performed by, you know, sung by Lindsey Buckingham, but this is a great, another great song with kind of a little country rock 
you know, vibe in there, but very poppy, very melodic, very catchy, very hooky. So I love this song. I love Lindsay's performance on this song. I like this version of the song better than the Curtis Brothers' own version of the song, but I also like the Curtis Brothers' version of the song. And I suppose I could have tried to find out how this ended up on this album, but it was probably just a publishing type thing where this song was out there being shopped for people to perform. Maybe Lindsay had seen the Curtis Brothers or knew of the Curtis Brothers. I I guess I should know that for this episode, but I don't. But this is a great song, Blue Letter. And we're going to hear the Curtis Brothers version and the Fleetwood Mac version to compare and contrast. Alright, fourth song on the album is Rhiannon, obviously a classic tune from Stevie Nicks, written on piano. Stevie gets a lot of help from Lindsay, turning her piano piece into that guitar lick. I think it's pretty obvious over the course of these albums how much Lindsay Buckingham contributes to arranging Stevie's songs. And Lindsay's guitar work and his vocal contributions are just huge. As, as are Stevie's vocal contributions on Lindsay's songs often, but Lindsay's guitar playing on Stevie's songs and Christine's songs, it's a huge factor. He makes a giant, and he becomes the producer later on, and Lindsay just makes a giant contribution. And so this is a good example. If you hear the demo, and then you hear what Lindsay turned that into on the guitar, you know, it's huge. It's a huge part of the song. For Stevie Nicks, you know, you get the feeling it's so much more about the story and the vibe of the song. So she comes at it with this simple demo and Lindsay arranges it and really helps turn it into something special. This is a very well-constructed song with a unique arrangement, unique flavor, and there's definitely a reason that this is an enduring classic. Yeah. 
All right, fifth song, another song from Christine McVie called Over My Head. This was actually the first single in the U.S. Obviously, the record label were thinking as the first single, we got to come out with a Christine song because she's, you know, she's the voice that people who are familiar with Fleetwood Mac will identify. So that makes sense. Uh, This is a decent song. It's harmless. It's fine. It kind of doesn't go anywhere. There's not really that much in terms of a chorus. So I'm not a huge fan of this song, but I definitely like it a lot more than Warm Ways. Last song on side one. I think this is a co-write between Stevie and Lindsay. This song, there's a version of this song on the Buckingham Knicks album. It's called Crystal. It's okay. Definitely not Lindsay's best work. Um, This new mutation of this band is still figuring this shit out. So obviously it's all coming together. But, you know, I think this song could have been left in the past. And that would have been just fine. In the crystal Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey! 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, flipping the record over, we get Say You Love Me, hit single from this album by Christine McVie. And this is Christine at the top of her game. I think I've heard this specific song too many times at this point. I mean, it still gets radio play, and it's a nice piece of work. It's a piano-driven rocker with a steady beat, pretty good chorus. I don't love it, but I definitely appreciate the craftsmanship. And, you know, as we've gone through these episodes, I think we've seen Christine develop this style that really pays off now. It's interesting that when Lindsay and Stevie join the band, you also have Christine reaching this point in her songwriting where she's much better. You know, she's capable of writing hit songs that will stand beside Stevie and Lindsay's songs. So Mick and John are there and they end up with a band where they've got three songwriters who are writing hit songs. That's pretty crazy. Second song on side two is an obvious classic, a brilliant, beautiful song from Stevie Nicks called Landslide. There's an obvious reason this has become an iconic song. Very nice melodies, thoughtful and thought-provoking lyrics that mesh perfectly with the feel and the tone of the song. And Stevie Nicks was able to deliver with an emotional piece of work like this she comes across as genuine and earnest and i mean this is a tearjerker this is excellent songwriting and when you get stevie writing this song Lindsay playing it you get an undeniable classic tune amazing piece of work from stevie nicks well i've been afraid of changing cause i've Third song on side two, a co-write between Christine and Lindsay called World Turning. 
So this one kind of harkens back to early Fleetwood Mac. Kind of a Peter Green vibe, actually. So it's a cool collaboration, killer guitar work from Lindsay. This is not a personal favorite for me, but it's very well done. I think they drag it out a little bit too long, but at the same time, it might have made sense to make this the opening song on the album because, like I was talking about, if they put Warm Ways where they did so that the old fans would have something to latch onto as this is still that the same band, this might have made a lot of sense to put earlier on the album. And I don't know if it was purposeful that they were trying to create a song that would harken back to the early days, but it seems like that's what they did. This reminds me of like an Oh Well vibe. But, you know, it's a decent enough song. All right, fourth song on side two from Christine McVie, a song called Sugar Daddy. Uh, My notes for this, Christine is kind of on autopilot for this one. It's very similar to Say You Love Me, but not nearly as good. So this is definitely not a favorite of mine. Alright, the album ends, the self-titled Fleetwood Mac album from 1975 ends with a Lindsey Buckingham epic called I'm So Afraid. Incredible work of art from Lindsey. The mood of the song is perfectly established and it builds and it builds and Lindsey's vocal is amazing. His guitar work is melodically perfect. From the two minute to the three minute mark, the tension builds And then there's this release with a ripping guitar solo. This is a killer way to close the album. Epic final track, monumental and brilliant. Great build, perfect length, then faded out. Just amazing piece of work and amazing to see live. Lindsay, brilliant artist, amazing guitar player, and this is a great way to this song is a great showcase for his talents and not in the pop songwriting realm but building the emotion very impressive piece of work so there you have it this is a really good album a few songs that i don't love but you have amazing classic songs on this album And that's the thing, you know, that's what you get here is you you get a pop album, but you have insane musicianship. You know, Mick Fleetwood and John McVie are at the top of their game. Lindsey Buckingham is a unique and brilliant musician. 
Christine McVie is a seasoned veteran musician. So you've got incredible musicianship, and then you've got three talented songwriters. So all of that going into the next album, where now they had a number one record, they're taking all of their talent, and they're looking at, well, we've got a number one record we have to capitalize on this. We have to take advantage of this opportunity. We will find out how they take advantage of that opportunity tomorrow. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 